G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Hello Jenny, welcome along to 2020. Good to be with you now. Uh, Jenny, uh, let's just, uh, we'll keep that particular uh, uh, honouring of of this particular lady uh, just for a few moments because I want to pick up on a thought or two from you. Uh, Pauline Hanson made her first speech this time around in the Senate yesterday and it has garnered a lot of reaction from a whole lot of different circles. Uh, She's treaded on too many toes again and uh, she's got lots of people offside and this may actually be something strategic that she intended to do. Uh, Made a similar speech 20 years ago and is sort of building on that now. Uh, Do you have any sort of reaction to Pauline Hanson's speech? Well, I think think you're right in saying that she's actually used her previous speech to sort of reflect on that. And, and obviously there were comparisons drawn and she actually did a, a pre-interview with the media where she actually had uh, the printed copy of her speech. So it was very well prepared. Um, she had obviously deliberately decided to do that and the way that the speech was actually prepared and written. So... Um, Obviously, in the previous one, she actually talked about the quote was being swamped by Asians. And it was interesting that she often had said that she didn't actually mean that, you know, Asian people weren't um, assimilating in Australia, that they weren't welcome in Australia, but that we should be conscious of the way that immigration actually affects um, our, our cultural values. So it, it and she actually had um, Asian people actually supporting her both uh, previously and right through the years up until now, um, actually involved in the organisation who were saying we want to be careful not to actually, you know, over do or have so many people come in of a particular type that they actually change the way the culture works. So in this case, of course, she's talking about Islam and, uh, you know, there have been a number of people, a number of groups who've talked about slowing or stopping Islamic immigration while we consider what the impact is on Australian culture. And we've seen that happen in other countries, people calling for, um, you know, just being careful about that. And we've seen the, the inflow into Germany and other places in Europe this year uh, from the Syrian crisis. And, and yet you've got to stop back, sit back and say, well, what are the consequences of that? So as a Christian group, as Christians, we need to be conscious of those sorts of things. But I think sometimes Pauline Hansen is a little more blunt in the way she says it. And, uh, and we do need to be careful about that and the way it's said what, and what's actually said. Well, all the Greens protested by walking out. Uh, do you think that they made their point? I guess they made their point. Uh, I guess uh, this whole uh, name-calling that happens, and uh, I know the word bigot uh, apparently has been used in the uh, the way that the Greens have talked about Pauline Hanson, and uh, it seems to me that she's used the same terminology to refer to the Greens. Uh, there is a, a protest uh, statement that they've made. Do you think that was an effective statement? Well, I think the Greens are always into making statements and uh, in terms of calling names, they're very good at that. And so we often try and say we don't call names, we debate the issue. And if people actually need to call names, then they haven't got arguments to debate the issue. And we've seen that on the same-sex marriage issue, on this particular thing, people being called haters or bigots or whatever else. 
and uh, and often it's that they are using those terms to to label and to marginalise people, and certainly that's happened with Pauline Hanson over the years trying to that whatever her views expressed were um, to sort of say well we actually don't want to support that we'll put her last on the list um, and that sort of thing but yes it's quite amazing actually I think that after 20 years she's actually not only got herself elected but a number of people under her banner and platform been elected as well to the Senate. Well former Prime Minister John Howard he's given a warning to politicians not to marginalise her again uh, last time when she was, uh, you know, talking about that 20 years ago, uh, she was uh, one lone person with one single vote and didn't have a balance of power. Uh, things are very, very different this time around. Uh, his warning not to marginalise Pauline Hanson, I guess uh, those need to be heeded. Well, I, I think that's right. And I think in any of these things, where whoever the politician is, whatever the issues are, we actually need to engage um, genuinely with the issue itself and with the politicians themselves because we've seen that trying to marginalise her last time, putting her, as I said, putting her last on the preferences and so on, uh, really hasn't worked because the average person, especially in Queensland, the average person has said, um, you know, we're not going to be told by the big parties or those, the media, how we're going to think and what we're going to do. So, you know, if we want to support Pauline Hanson and if we're concerned about some of the issues that she's raising, then, then we've got that right to vote for her and certainly enough people thought that to get her in and I think I think John Howard's right that if the media and especially if the politicians marginalise her then it's going to be seen as a, sort of an us and them and I think it's important, it's significant I think that as well as the Greens walking out, the media last night on the ABC showed the number of politicians coming and you know, congratulating on her on her maiden speech, which is a matter of form. It's a matter of politeness in the parliament to do that. So while the Greens were walking out, her own senators congratulated her. But I was interested to see that Darren Hinch came over and congratulated her on her speech. So I think I think that's quite significant because I think it shows that while one might not agree with what she's saying, one can still say that, yes, as a member of parliament, as a senator, we show the courtesies that are that should be shown to other politicians and I think that's actually quite significant. Well, speaking of significant things, a significant event this week uh, that will largely go under the radar in mainstream media, a renowned woman named Phyllis Schlafly uh, passed away aged 92 this week. Uh, she's described as the woman who actually created the pro-family movement uh, in the US, uh, she was the, described also as the greatest and most successful pro-family activist in its history. Uh, Jenny Stokes, you have a certain connection to uh, Phyllis. Uh, tell us your story. Well, yes, we put out a little piece last, uh, just this week and, and put out a couple of reports that we found were quite significant. And uh, But in, in that, we actually included a photograph of an Eagle Award that, that Peter and I were awarded a number of years ago. And... It, one of the organisations here in Australia, Endeavour Forum, worked closely with uh, Phyllis Schlafly and the Eagle Forum, and they actually had given an award each year, as Phyllis herself has done for many, many years in America, to to people who've um, contributed to God, family and country, and that's um, that's what the award's about. And uh, signed by Phyllis Schlafly and the Eagles, and it's an eagle print. We had it framed. It's in our boardroom. So I actually started our reflection by, by talking about that. So although I haven't met Phyllis Schlafly, haven't been to the US uh, to do that, um, yeah, just that little link to say, look, this work for God, family and country is 
is universal. It's um, in the pro-family movement, not only in the US, but here in Australia as well. Well, there have been many tributes to her life uh, for her work and her activism. Uh, you listed some of those in your release. Well, that's right. And uh, so one of those was, and it was interesting because uh, whatever our religious background, um, there are people across the denominational boundaries, if you like, that actually have worked together. And we find that here in Australia as well, that we work across the ecumenical boundaries, if you like, on the issues um, as as we see the issues themselves. Now, it's interesting, we don't uh, do that in an in interfaith way or even an interreligious way. We're actually saying from a Christian group, we, we uh, work according to the Bible. So one of the um, reports that I actually quoted uh, featured comments from a lady called Dorothy Patterson, who's the wife of the president of the Southwestern Baptist Seminary in the USA. And so she was saying that, you know, during the 1970s, when Phyllis started work, she actually opposed what was called the Equal Rights Amendment, which purportedly was going to give men and women equal rights. But she actually saw, and that quite correctly, that that could be used for all sorts of other equal rights, like in, in this case, same-sex marriage or the enforcing views that said that women and men, you know, in pay rates or being in the home or whatever else were actually all going to be affected by this. So she and her, she campaigned against that for many years. And so back in the 1970s, that was how she started out. And at the time she started, the, the House and the Senate had both actually passed the bill absolutely overwhelmingly. And 30 states had ratified this bill. And they only needed 38 and uh, so she actually started, she actually lobbied state legislatures when they were considering whether they'd ratify it. And she actually ended up uh, having people, uh, having states actually rescind their support for it. And by the time, and they extended the time to have this ratified by all the states, they actually failed by three states to have the Equal Rights Amendment passed, which would have gone into the uh, the amendments to the American Constitution. So that was her her start, if you like, being involved in all of these, you know, major campaigns and winning a battle that really most people felt was not going to happen. So over the years, she's then, you know, campaigned on a lot of issues, whether that's feminism, abortion, same-sex marriage, communism, they were some of her major issues. And her organisation has actually then had chapters and she's had very good organisers, chapters in various states. And one of the reports said she had up to 100,000 members in her organisation at one point. And she's continued on, even though as she's got older, she's still stayed involved. She's written articles, she's written books. She's credited with changing the whole way that the Republican Party operates and it becoming pro-life over the years. So there's quite a bit there that's actually, you know, really quite, I guess, the the first of the pro-family organisations and some of the others that started in the 80s and 90s and so on were modelled on that. But uh, she has actually stayed firm to her convictions and that was another thing one of the other reports said. And that staying firm to her convictions, uh, this is something I, I suspect that people who are taking up the challenge of standing for righteousness, of resisting things that will uh, bring a negative effect on society. Uh, this brings a reaction. And uh, you note in your article that she was, you know, hated by uh, the left with a visceral passion. Uh, that sort of thing does tend to continue, and uh, people on the left side of uh, ideology uh, do tend uh, to not like uh, Christian people who don't compromise principles. 
Well, that's right. And it, it, uh, one of the reports, um, we have a report from Mass Resistance from Brian Kamenko, who's one of the very forthright organisations in the US. And he actually said not only was she hated, they, they threw things at her and so on. So when we think we're, we're called names, she actually had physical things thrown at her and really quite nasty behaviour towards her. So that idea of, and I think it relates to, we're talking about before, about Pauline Hanson, we need to actually engage and speak and deal with the issues themselves rather than calling names and certainly rather than the physical sort of um, nasty behaviour that, that sometimes we've seen and, and certainly Phyllis actually experienced. And so, you know, over the years she became um, a well-known figure, <laughs> certainly within the reformation, if you like, of the uh, of the Republican Party. And uh, I think one of the things that Brian Kamaker from Mass Resistance says is that what you've really got there is a... A refusal to sort of back down, a refusal to um, change the organisation. And he, what, he, what he comments on is that a lot of the pro-family groups, it's easy to sort of not be quite so hard, not be quite so sharp in your opposition. So he said that Phyllis Schlafly would actually invite him to speak at her conferences. And one of the speeches that he gave was actually on how to counter the extremist homosexual movement. And what he says is that he wouldn't have got a platform to speak about that on many of the other organisations' conferences. And yet that often is the one thing we need to do. So even in the same-sex marriage debate, we're not just talking about, you know, tradition. And he actually uses that example to actually, if we talk about tradition, you know, what does that mean? If we talk about marriage, they'll say, well, we want marriage too. Or if marriage is good for people, then it's good for homosexual couples. And he said we actually need to talk about the basic issues um, you know, including what homosexuality is about and the nature of relationships and so on. And so, you know, Phyllis, I mean, you know, very calmly and very logically talked about those things and, and certainly Brian Kamaker commended her for that, for standing firm and not compromising principles and, and so on. And he actually said that sometimes they've done that in order to appeal to conservative donors um, and to avoid confrontations with the LGBTI movement and the liberal media. And so that's, I think, very significant that Phyllis did that. And certainly Brian highlights that in his article, which I, well, I found very um, compelling. Well, right up to her death, she continued to write books, columns and articles. And there may be listeners who might like to Google Phyllis Schlafly, uh, who died this week, aged 92. Uh, her surname is spelt S-C-H-L-A-F-L-Y. Uh, and we've got, we've got those two articles right on the front page of the Salt Shankers website at the moment. So the one from Baptist Press that talks about that working together with Phyllis and her organisation by the Baptist... Um, the uh, by Dorothy Patterson, and also particularly Brian Kamenka's article from Mass Resistance. So both of those are linked on our front page. So you, you can start there, and then you can look at her life from there. Well, that makes it easy. Just Google it's Salt Shakers, uh, saltshakers.org.au. Uh, Jenny Stokes, always great getting your insights, and uh, great to honour a great champion of uh, family values and standing for Christian principles, Phyllis Schlafly, today. Uh, thanks so much for being with us today, Jenny. You're welcome. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.